This is Transparency, a podcast by Gender Dysphoria Alliance, hosted by Aaron Kimberly and Aaron Terrell. Each week we'll be joined by people who have personal or professional experience with gender dysphoria and physical transition. We'll also discuss how our trans experiences relate to the concept of gender identity. Join us for a compassionate yet heterodox approach to the question of trans. Hello, welcome to Transparency. We've got uh, we've got Kat here as a guest with us. Um, Kat is a member of the Gender Dysphoria Alliance. Um, I met you, I think it was about a month ago, Kat, um, when we had a had a Zoom chat, and and you had such a wonderful things to say. I could tell that you're a fountain of information. Um, so we've really been looking forward to, to having this chat with you. Um, is there anything you would like to say just as a few words of introduction so that our listeners know a bit about you? Sure, sure. And just first, I just want to thank you both for inviting me. Um, you two both um, do a great job of just uh, escalating the discourse, trying to open up people's minds um, outside of just the normal scope of just that everyday trans guys discussion that are just very cookie cutter and uh, I don't feel are very progressive. So I just want to thank you both for inviting me. And, um, I appreciate what both of you do. Um, but just a little bit about myself. I'm just, just a regular person. I don't have an agenda or not with any major organization. Uh, outside of CBA, um, don't have a grift. I don't. I'm not looking to get anything out of this. I'm just a regular person who just kind of has some thoughts about just the trans discourse. Uh, but a little bit about me is uh, I identify as a Black uh, American trans woman. Um, I am mixed with uh, as far as uh, my upbringing, originally from New York, New York City and Queens, moved to New Jersey when I was about 12 or 13, and uh, I transitioned, um, at least socially, around 2016, um, and then 2017, um, paperwork, driver's license, things of that nature, um, and uh, I job and do regular things, but um, I just, uh, I'm just an occasional Twitter troll who just, just not liking the, uh, the way that the discourse is going and the people that are uh, pushed in front as supposed trans activists or leaders in the trans community that are speaking for us. I'm just not a fan of a lot of those goings on. But, that's just a little bit about me. I guess we can go to more specifics, but um, that's pretty much it. That's one of the things I, I first noticed about you on Twitter. Was, I can't remember exactly how you worded it, but it was something to the effect of sort of like we need a reset button on the trans community, right? That, that we need to build a healthier a trans community. A reformation. A reformation, uh, yeah. Or, 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 or reformation, uh, depending on where you are. I'll pronounce that differently. I'm not sure what's the correct way per se, but um, so it, it's a little bit controversial to, to, to relate to this, but a lot of people say that uh, Islam, the religion needs a reformation, just as Christianity had one. 
um, in transgenderism, so to speak, has sort of become a religion of sorts. It, it, it's got a lot of religiosity to it. And uh, I, I guess beliefs that are held by a majority of the group that seem to change depending on whatever, whatever the corporate Overton window kind of pushes it towards every year or two, which is a different story entirely. But I, I just really feel like it needs a, I, I guess, a reset, but more so just a, a reforming of what it means to be trans and not in a gatekeeping sense to keep people out. It's more so to solidify what this transitioning why it should be happening and why it shouldn't be happening for some people and kids involved and parents involved and ideology and there's a lot to it i don't know where to start i don't know where to finish i don't know the beginning and middle i don't know i just know something needs to happen because i just think we're on a collision course um that's not good just let's put blunt in there Mm -hmm. What what is your fear? Like if, if we continue along this path that we're that we're on, what what is your what is your sort of fear or objection to to the to, to the you know to where we're headed? Well, we're getting to a stage where so there's there's, there's a couple of aspects to it. We've got we've got the whole corporate you know. Uh, I'll jokingly, jokingly call the LGBT alphabet community the the lollipop guild, the sports, the <laughs> the all-knowing group of people who just change their perspectives depending on the way the sun shines on one particular day, and everyone just needs to follow whatever the discourse is and the right words to say and things of that nature, and it's not really based on it legitimate other than a higher education slash corporate marriage of consensus and parents and children educators and um, those within corporate America and corporate North America at large in uh, the West overall all of us need to follow in line with whatever is being said and whatever is being pushed and anything outside of that is anti-trans, even if you are trans, you're, you're a quote-unquote anti-trans person um, or a self-hating trans person, um, prohibiting progress in some way. Um, um, that That's just the general scope of where I see this going, but there's you know, specific aspects of parenting and children involved and how young children are transitioning and the idea of just children just, you know, they, people don't want to admit this, but it seems that children are having the idea that being, it's not just being an ally is good enough to trans people and to LGBT people at large. Being trans is now a is almost akin to you are now exalted. 
you are now absolved of anything that you could possibly do wrong, just based on the fact of the whole victimization hierarchy of I've acquired as much victimization points as possible. I am absolved of any wrongdoing and I am celebrated for just simply being a person that's trans, just existing. Existing gets you praise now. There's no merit to what you do or your accomplishments or what you produce or what you don't produce. And, you know, it just, and that's, you know, not why I transitioned and I don't want fake praise. I want, you know, my merits of my work to be uh, shown and judged on the merits of, of my work. Mm-hmm. Not it's because quite- I'm black or because I'm trans, or because I'm black and trans, mm-hmm. none of that. But that's me personally, but I'm seeing a shift, especially within children, which is so dangerous, of that mindset infecting the youth. And I don't think that's a good way to go. It's quite different from social movements in the past, isn't it? Like when I think about, um, you know, the fight for civil liberties in you know, like the 60s, for example, it was about character, right? I mean, that was that was um, what Martha Luther King was, Jr. was talking about, right? Was that I want to be judged by my character as an individual, not by the color of my skin, right? It, it, it was that was very much in his his language and his movement that that I don't want my transness in this case to be the thing that that people see and judge me by and not see my individual merit and my individual character. So that flavor of activism seems to be, um, seems to have really changed where, where now the emphasis is very much on a racial group or, or trans group or gay lesbian group that it's all about groups, not about an individual character. Would you agree with, with that shift? Yeah, that's, it's it's so crazy. That's that's pretty much pretty much dead. That's gone. That that mentality is 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 probably seen as hate speech at this point. If anyone else says, I want to judge you on the content of your character, not of, of, of what you look like or what tribe you belong to. If anyone said that now in a in a large forum, they would just be, you know, it's, it's around, you know, liberals and uh supposed to tolerant people, they would be upset with that. They would feel, oh no, we need to uplift all of these tribes. You know, all these tribes that have marginalized for so many years, we need to uplift them so everything is equitable. We need to make sure that, you know, we bring all these people up so, you know, you know, to the level of, I guess, the cis white person, I guess that's the aspiration point of the highest order in terms of, oh, they most likely have, you know, acquired their wealth in some, through some form of slave trade or some type of stolen riches or something, which, you know, isn't true. The everyday white person never owned a slave and broke, you know, just statistically speaking in North America and just the West at large. So, uh, I'm sort of bringing race into this, but I think it's important to uh, we'll line up what, what I'm bringing up 
here. It's we're we're doing this under the guise of these people, these different groups of people, um, different minority races and um, those who express gender in a different way and sexual minorities, you know, anyone who's not heterosexual. We're just lumping all these individual sects and they're even fighting against each other for support and praise and Individually, these people are not being allowed to have their own opinions because they're all under the scope of liberalism and you must vote for this person and you must espouse these views wholeheartedly without any dissent because if there's any dissent, our group, our tribe will fall apart. And I think that's the mindset here, this group mob mentality at all costs, instead of having an open discourse about all aspects of, you know, more specifically, we're, we're trans folk here, so we're talking about transgenderism, trans people, you know, not having those specific conversations about every aspect of, of transness is, I, I just think it's silly and it kind of impotent, Infantilizes us. If I can say that word correctly, mm-hmm. we're just children, and we're incapable of achieving heights on our own individually. We're always held back by some external force, which is usually um, blamed on so-called whiteness, um, the the patriarchy of sorts. There's always a reason. It's always something that blocking us individually from going from point A to point B so we almost stick together and have no dissent, no issues in between us. So if you speak outside of that, you know, that that um that line, we've got a problem. And you must be excommunicated from that from that group. So that othering of people is happening currently and I feel that GDA is kind of like a group of people that are essentially being othered and we kind of represent a lot of different trans people who want to say the things that we say and have the discussions that we are having but they feel that if they have their part of you know their person and they've got five friends in their group and there's no consensus and you're the sixth person out you're gone you've lost your friend group you're gone so it's i just don't think it's healthy to have groups and subgroups pitted against each other in that way where we're basically just beholden to whatever the consensus of, not even just like these groups, consensus of the groups above them who are, you know, people are getting paid as front people for all these groups in that camp. Black community, all these black politicians, majority of them, and all these trans rights activists who are getting paid boatloads of money for saying certain things and not saying certain things and demonizing certain people for having certain views. So people don't see the 3,000 foot view. People are just kind of looking at the low level stuff and people squabbling with each other, not seeing people that are controlling the, the discourse and you 
all you need to do is basically follow the money. But people are afraid to say that because then the money stops. It's all very, uh, very good points. I, I hadn't really considered it in that uh, from from that angle, but I, I exactly see what you're what you're saying. It's interesting how the the capital you know capitalism used to really favor the individual, right? It was always about the individual. And it's kind of a facet of capitalism there, but now it seems to be completely shifted in that everything is about the group, and and one has to have a, a group association in order to kind of have any well, one any financial worth, right? Like what you're saying about about there's there's um, there's economic value in having these people bundled together in a group identity. Um, but then on, when you go back to the individual level is like, you know, if, if you, if you aren't associated with a larger group that you can put yourself in, you're kind of free floating and alone in this, in this current, um, the, the kind of the, the, the zeitgeist, as you would say, like the social framework where we're operating in and, and then going back a little bit too, is like with, with what you're saying about like that, that, uh, the hierarchy of oppressions and having to, to have be able to place yourself somewhere in there it seems to me it, this is something that i've observed for a while is like trans is the one thing that people can can uh, opt into right it's not it's not uh, it's within your control and so so I think a lot of people who who would just see this 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 you know you ha you have to have a subgroup to belong to in order to be to have any value socially and then now as you're saying as well externally to have to have any economic value and so I think trans is the one thing that these kids can put themselves into to have a to have a social group to have kind of any sort of social credit um, and then uh, and then also there's now a dollar sign on those on those individuals to get them uh, you know physically into that into that categorization as well um it's pretty pretty dark and dire yeah yeah it's, it's a uh, really strange phenomenon isn't it like uh, and it, it seems to almost be um hijacking our need for connection i mean we do need <laughs> to belong to social groups <laughs> but this isn't a this isn't a healthy way to do it like this this feels like a very oppressive way of of developing connection with others because as soon as you have an opinion you know, or a culture that's that's different from someone else's, or a political leaning that's different from someone else's, you're you're ousted from the group. Like where so trans politics ends up oppressing trans people because I'm not even allowed to think for myself, right? And and um, would you say that there are parallels in in the Black Lives Matter movement where where um, Black Americans feel like they're actually being oppressed by the the Black Lives Matter ideology in the sense that a white person can learn that ideology and tell you you're wrong, you're doing black wrong because you're not following the ideology. So it, it actually ends up reinforcing racism in a way. I mean, have you experienced that? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that happening just because I'm seeing it happening in the, in the trans rights movement, but um, would you say that's happening for black Americans as well? Oh yeah. One, one million percent. Um, I'll just tell you a very brief short story of, this uh, white trans woman that I had met, we were just discussing things, and I forget how it came up. I just mentioned, "Hey, I'm not really, not really for the whole Black Lives Matter thing." And just the look in her eyes, I'm just like, "What? I don't, I don't, I don't get like, like, have, have you seen that meme where it's the woman Aaron. and it's but all of the um, <laughs> all the equations pop up?" Yeah, yeah. So that's exactly what happened. It's like, but well, but you're you're black and black lives matter, uh, but and you're trans too. So like, I think like black lives matter would like help you out with like something. Like I don't, I don't get. It. 
So <laughs> it was just so amazing to me to, to see the, the, the liberal confusion. <laughs> um, and, I, and, and I feel for her. I, she just didn't get it. But this is an example of just like where we're at in the discourse. It does really simplify things for us, though, doesn't it? It's like I, you can see the draw because it's like, oh, now, now I can put these people in these classifications. Everything makes sense. It's easy. Yeah. And then when it's not easy, it's like, oh, shit, wait. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, it's, 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 just, it's just population control um, <laughs> on, on you know, some level. Um, there's a deeper population control. We can go deeper into that. That might be, that might be a little bit too deep for this combo, but we'll, we'll, we'll see where we go. Um, you know, we can talk about just, I'm sure this went around the world, you know, you, you, uh, the comment by then presidential candidate uh, Joseph R. Biden, when he had an interview with Charlemagne the God, a very famous um, radio show host in New York City. He did a, I believe, a Zoom interview with him. And he said something to the effect of, if you ain't voting for me, you ain't black. Now, we can dissect that a few different ways. We can talk about how the fact that a mid-70s, late-70s white man from Delaware whose family, I am almost certain, was involved in the slave trade. Like, 99% sure someone could stop checking on that. Let's go with that. And he's been pictured with Robert Byrd, one of the former Grand Dragons of Ku Klux Klan. He's been on, he's, he's, he's pushed numerous anti-Black, super predator type uh, crime bills in the late 80s and the early 90s. And just anecdotally, things people have said about the things that he said um, in private and in public. Um, I'm not going to outright call him a unabashed racist or anything like that. Um, because people throw that term around and call everyone racist at this stage. It, it almost has no meaning anymore. But I'm just prefacing, I'm just giving you the, the scope of what this guy is in just his demographic makeup. Now, the fact that he said that and got away with it is mostly because the liberal folks in the Democratic Party are pushing the fact that, oh, he's going to push things that are going to benefit the Black community, which has, has not <laughs> occurred and isn't happening. The, the funding for historically Black uh, colleges and universities have been pulled back tremendously from the Trump era, just an example of things that have been pushed back. Just the economy at large is hemorrhaging and things are not good. Um, things are not going to be good for the Black community over the next few years, um, just through uh, most economic projections. But I just want to isolate that comment in the fact that the gall of someone to say that, to question someone's Blackness because of who they voted for at the ballot box or their mail-in ballot, or who they support or anything of that nature. Uh, it just symbolizes the polarization, the gaslighting of this one group of people, black people, 
13% of the U.S. population on average um, to go into one particular direction. And if you don't go in that direction, you are um, anti-Black, you are uh, prohibiting progress in some way. And how dare you not vote for this man who has been running for president since 1988? How dare you not vote for this man who is putting in or you know uh, accepted the vice presidential candidate uh, uh, spot place uh, to be candidate uh, Kamala Harris, who was like tenth, eleventh, tenth or eleventh place in the primary of the. Of the to become the Democratic presidential nominee, as, as far as like her, her number, her polling was horrible. The only reason why she was in that position, in that position now, is because of just colorism, just flat and unabashed colorism. She spent most of her life in Canada, apparently. Um, she identifies more with her Indian side than her Jamaican side, as far as from what we hear. And apparently, she's just, you know, we can debate that and other people may, may say otherwise, uh, she's probably not very qualified for her role. But generally speaking, she's there and was there to hone in on the black community and go, hey, look, it's you've got two options. You've got the two white people on the on this side, both elderly. And on the other side, you've got the elderly white guy who's not doing so well and health, and we've got the relatively younger, you know, we would just, you know, I hate the terms of black and white and all of these just colloquial, colloquial terms that we just encapsulate people in with tribalism. Like, okay, where are they from in Africa? Are, or are they, you know, are descendants of slaves from the United States? Are they from the Dominican Republic? Like, we can go deep into who's black and who's white. Are they from Kazakhstan? Are they from Poland? Are they you know, first-generation immigrants? Have they been in the United States since they were, you know, you know, for 20 generations? Are they mixed with Native Americans? And, you know, all that stuff. Their ancestry can go deep. But what what is white? What is black? At the end of the day, it's colorism. So just want to preface it with that. We've got the whole colorism aspect of oh, we've got someone who's just visually black on the other side. So these are your two choices as an American. And if you go into one direction or another, just through just the low IQ, lack of low information, mainstream media, liberal discourse, if you go into one direction or another, that determines whether or not you are black enough, you support black people, you are tolerant, and whether or not you are pro-black progress or not. And the choice is apparently clear. You needed to go with the side with the person on one side who visually is black. And those are and, and, and that was the only choice you could make if you did vote. So just that's how far the discourse has gone and that's how easy it is to manipulate a group of people. That's how and that's what happened to the trans community. Easily. You throw a token trans woman or trans man or someone who says they're non who, who, who claims identity is non-binary. Um, you throw them in as a political candidate in one particular area or 
you throw them on TV and as a grift to support something and we want money because of this cause or they're a teacher and you know we want them it's a person who's you know, uh, you know all this tokenism you know you, you, you put those people in those positions one the 99.9% of people who don't identify that way are going to go well if I don't agree with what they're saying uh, I don't want to be transphobic I don't want to I don't want to be homophobic I don't want to be anything phobic I don't want I want to be an ally so whatever they whatever they're saying I want to trust their experience and they're right 100% of the time even though I may disagree with some things I just don't want to espouse those publicly to those views um, and then the zero point zero one percent of the trans non-binary LGBT community we have to go with them because that's the tokenism that's there, that's the pillar, that's the symbol, that's the golden calf, so to speak, to get us from point A to point B in whatever progress we're trying to achieve that week or that month or that year. Mm-hmm. And we can't dissect any about that politician or that corporate spokesperson or that teacher or that whoever this person is. We can't dissect their views on their merits we just have to go, oh, they're trans. So mm-hmm. they're for us. They look like us. They take the same hormones as us or whatever, just whatever thing to tie into the tribalism. That's what happens. And mm-hmm. that's been happening in the black community for, you know, hundreds of years at this point. It's, it's, I'll tell you very, another anecdotal, <laughs> uh, not a story, just a brief comment I made to my grandmother. She's in her mid-70s, and you know, of course, she loved Barack Obama, and obviously that was just the pillar of everything to, you know, majority of Black people. It's like, oh, Black person is president, yada, yada, yada. But um, I, I said there a couple of weeks ago, I said, hey, look, just because someone on TV, say CNN or MSNBC, like a Don Lemon or a Joy Reid or whoever these people are, look like you doesn't mean they have their best doesn't mean they have your best interest in mind doesn't mean the the big pharma uh, ads that are on all of these 24-hour news channels aren't paying their bills doesn't mean that they're not behind the scenes told to say certain things or else they're out it so keep that in mind when you're watching your magic tv box telling you to do things or say things or to believe things, try to think for yourself. You're here in the 70s. You should probably step out of the propaganda window right now. And I know that's rich coming from your 30-year-old trans granddaughter. <laughs> you know, as far as, the, you know, it's, you know, I, I find that's the other thing too. It's like you can't say certain things because you're trans and you're in the propaganda window, so to speak, also. So it's like, can't say certain things. And it's, oh, you're, you don't know what you're talking about either kind of thing. So I get it. Devil's advocate, I understand too. But me saying that to her, I, she didn't take it well. <laughs> but, <laughs> clearly, she didn't take it well. But um, it's just an example of just where we're at in the discourse. We mm-hmm. we are clinging on to these people who are supposed to represent us, 
in whatever subgroup where we belong to and people are too lazy to do any research on who's paying them mm-hmm. who what their background is and what they really stand for it's just everything's just fluff everything's just as long as we get the guy out who had a lot of mean tweets we're okay the country is safe um going towards nine months later the united states of america clearly sees that the country is not safe as far as the united states goes uh can't speak to canada canada you guys have your own problems <laughs> we we certainly do <laughs> you yeah but uh, we're not far behind, unfortunately, that part. But um, that's, that's it, it where really, we're at. And it's just, it's just very sad to me. I, I don't know how we pull back from it. What it really do. is insulting, isn't it? That, you know, that I mean, going to what you're saying, like, if you don't, if you don't vote for me, you're not black. I mean, that, that it's, it must be really insulting because it, it's basically saying that you're not allowed to think for yourself and to learn what all the candidates, you know, have to say and make a, a choice for yourself, right? It, it, this is a, so supposed to be a, a democratic process where we, we are able to think and form opinions for ourselves and choose freely whatever, whichever candidate we feel aligns with our values. And you're being told, well, you, you know, your, your, your blackness is called into question if you don't think and act and, and believe certain things. And, and there definitely is something like that going on in, in the trans world that unless we're sort of aligned with this particular political way of thinking of things, it must be, it must be that, um, well, to your point of, uh, you know, that reaction that you got when you said you didn't support the Black Lives Matter movement, it, I think where people's minds go is if you're not supporting this political movement based on these theories, the opposite must be true, that it must be that you don't believe that, that racism or transphobia exists. It must be that you want harm to be done to, to trans people. It, it, and they're not thinking, well, maybe there's, because yes, I, I, I see that racism is a problem. Yes, I see that, that there are transphobes out there, but there's another way of thinking about justice and liberty for us, not just critical theory, right? There's, there's a whole other kind of way of looking at it. And uh, that's the part that people aren't seeing. And I think that's why it's getting so divisive and, and, um, and violent is, is people think it's between liberty and all out bigotry. And, and I don't see it as being those two options. I just think it, it needs to be a dialogue about what does true justice and liberty look like and how, how do we best achieve that? And I, I want to dissect um, my Black Lives Matter comment because I didn't do a good job getting there yet but um and uh, but before that I, I just want to kind of piggyback on what you just said it seems that everything is just such a binary choice in in politics or just in just low level low iq low frequency discourse like we're not allowed to discuss any nuance there's no there, there, there's nothing that we're allowed to do a deep dive on on any it's just for or against red blue um the cowboys patriots yeah to use a football term it's, it's just so so childish like i i just thought people as a whole could handle maybe they can and maybe it's just the propaganda and and just you know they're just, just the grind of the everyday person's 40 to 
60-hour work week plus kids plus family plus just life going on that no one really has the time to do any deep dives on anything or to think further beyond whatever their Twitter timeline tells them to think or whatever the Google and Microsoft owns back checkers tell them to think, and oh, this has been debunked. So whatever the first article that comes out from CNN or or or, or whatever or whatever major uh, news agency says about whatever topic, and then they'll do a automatic uh, in a week or two. You know, there'll be entire pieces of the article that'll be incorrect, and they'll do a retraction. But who's going to read the retraction? Who's going to go back to the same article, look all the way down to the bottom of the article, and say, oh, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong? No. The everyday person remembers the initial article, and they're just going to go with that. So it's like we're just in just a sphere of just consistent propaganda and, you know, just to put it bluntly, a lot of lies and omissions and things to push us in one direction or another. So that that's just generally upsetting to me, and it's just um, – so there's – there's that. I wanted to piggyback on that last point you made, but just about the whole Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, just obviously, Black Lives Matter. Let's keep it. Let's keep it first grade here, second grade. Uh, let's keep it primary school here. Black Lives Matter. They matter a lot. They're really good people. We love black people. Black people are awesome. I'm black. My mom's black. My grandma's black. A lot of friends that are black. Um, a lot of people that are black. 13% of the U.S. population is black. Um, uh, overwhelming percentage of the world population. Uh, I don't know what the numbers are if you count, you know, majority of people in Africa. I mean, and also whatever you want to call it, black. So that goes back to the whole thing of categorization. It's all colorism. You know, we determine what is Middle Eastern versus black. Um, and there are black people in there are black people in New Zealand, in Australia, you know, there's the, the, the pygmies and the um, uh, other indigenous people of those lands. There are black people in uh, Far East Asia, also indigenous people that are of blacker skin, you know, parts of Sub-Saharan Africa, parts of Brazil, South America, the United States, of course, and Canada. Um, there are people who have a similar shade to me all over the world. So the whole idea of what is black, what is blackness, and then you coming, you know, just uh, talking from an immigration perspective of who is black, you know, as far as uh, who is first, second generation, you know, black coming from Nigeria or Ghana or, you know, a, a, another country versus someone like me who is I don't know, probably give or take 30th, 35th generation in, in indigenous American and descendant of African slaves mixed with um, most likely Irish and those who came from the Dominican Republic, which is also part of the transatlantic slave trade. So, and then you can go deeper into ancestry of like, I don't know, um, whoever came through the Bering Strait, you know, you know, 
technically default and part Asian. We want to go back that far. So the topic of race is so, it should be so nuanced, but again, that's not another low level, low IQ. You're black, you're white, that's it, you know, but whatever. But, Just to jump in there, I wanted to, this might be sure. kind of going in the direction, but um, it's so interesting when you talk about race in that way, uh, obviously it's so layered and, and, and um, uh, fluid, really, obviously quite fluid generation to generation. And yet we talk about race, like it's this literal black or white issue. And then when we talk about gender and sex, like it's a spectrum and it's so fluid and it, it doesn't really mean anything. Who knows what someone, it's like, there's males and there's females. We know this, you know, but, you know, mm-hmm. so it, it's a very, sex is a very concrete black and white thing. Uh, race, not at all. Um, and so it is, it's just it's the contradiction that we live in there uh, in modern discourse is really quite um, gaslighty, uh, if you will. But uh, just to throw that in there. Yes, it's, it's, it's what's convenient for whatever the, as I mentioned earlier, the, the, the Overton window. Mm-hmm. Whatever... Mm-hmm. Whatever is popular and acceptable at the time, that's what we're going with. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, it, it's not acceptable to say Negro anymore. It's not acceptable to say Afro American anymore. It's not acceptable to say I don't know. There, there's some people who are have a problem with uh, newer, relatively newer term. I just became familiar with. Well, it's probably not newer. It's just gotten uh, a little more popular in the. Uh, the black sphere of discussion, uh, ADOS, a descendant of slaves, which even that term is, uh, I feel like there should be a little bit of a distinction between, okay, you're like me, 30 something generation, indigenous, Indian, and a descendant of slaves, whatever, you know, through this transatlantic slave trade, versus someone who is a relatively recent immigrant coming from an African country who came on a plane or a boat or um, that kind of thing. Um, but our, yeah, I mean, so our genealogy is gonna be slightly different. There's gonna be some overlapping. Our, you know, back in back to colorism, our skin colors are gonna be somewhat different. Our facial features are gonna be a little bit different. Um, but are we coming from the same culture? I don't think so because U.S. Black culture, and I would encourage you both to, I'm um, sure if you, you may have been familiar with him, Thomas Sowell, he did a great video on YouTube I just saw where he talks about kind of the, the liberal, like basically the, the liberal identity of, I guess, you know, the Democrats in the U.S. and Black culture not really being what people, I don't go too deep dive too much into it, but he basically kind of relays how the ghetto, quote unquote, ghetto black culture that's been, you know, pushed in movies and media for, you know, a long time now, um, really is just a caricature or a, or a redubbing of old Southern white culture, which came from old English ghetto culture, the bombastic boisterousness of, you know, what people would describe as, oh, that's authentic Black in the U.S., and that's gone out to, you know, all over the world. It's like, that's what someone in Japan thinks Black is, rap music and loudness and, you know, 
BLM. Go back to that. Whatever BLM is at this point, that's black. That's authentic black. But things that I'm talking about right now, not authentic black. Not at all. Not a lot of say these things. Big, big, big no-no zone. Um, but back into um, BLM. So we just have to discuss just the obviousness of again, black people are awesome, cool beans, great. But we got to talk about the funding that went to um, that went to BLM that afforded Patrice Colors a $1.4 million house or something like that. Um, all these top BLM heads that just quit because they got enough money, they dipped out. Um, the fact that the money got donated to Act Blue, Act Blue, which is a basically a Democratic slush fund, um, just went to all these different organizations randomly, a lot of payoff, a lot of random stuff. So when uh, last year sometime, when everyone posted all these black squares and your, if you had iTunes, your iTunes got blacked out with all BLM stuff and all these commercials were being pushed and everyone's taking a knee and just all, you, know, you literally couldn't escape the whole BLM media wave. When they did that to gaslight a whole bunch of white people to donate to this organization, just know that a majority of that money did not go to support anyone black. Did not go to an actual black organization to, you know, I mean, like food drives and um, black politicians that would benefit people to, that would benefit people in, in those areas that are gonna bring funding to these areas and you know, build up, uh, bring business to these areas that are, lower socioeconomic, you know, uh, majority black areas and um, supporting black college funds, and, you know, just you know, stuff that is directly impacting black people. Now, not to say that some of that money didn't go to those places, but you, you have to look at the list of what Act Blue was shifting its money towards. And if you look at 2020, that list, uh, which it was supposedly debunked, by the way, so who knows? Someone can debunk the debunk. I don't know. But, you know, it was going to Bernie Sanders' campaign. It was going to all these different, it was going to Biden's campaign. It was going to all these different campaigns. It's like, mm-hmm. why is. <laughs> so basically, a lot of white people got drifted into and guilt tripped and gaslit into, you know, atoning for their white guilt that, again, majority of you people did not engage in slavery, did not engage in economic policies to destroy the black community. Majority of you people were, you know, I'm talking to the U.S., the majority of U.S. white folks, uh, majority of you people going back, you know, four to five generations, majority of you were lower socioeconomic folks, make, in some cases, making less money than the average black person. Majority of you folks, you know, may have had ancestry that came through Ellis Island. So you came through, you know, late 1800s, early 1900s. You had no part in slavery. You might have been Irish. And the Irish have a harsh history of just being raped and pillaged over the last thousand, fifteen hundred years. And, you know, you, you know, there are literal books and, uh, studies that were done for Irish people to determine, oh, are the Irish human? 
like that's the extent of like the ethnic genocide and uh, you know uh, just disparaging of the Irish people. It's an example of quote unquote white people that always had it good and are you know uh, are taking from the victimized and lower on the victimization scale black people. This is an example of a group of white people that have been totally fucked over for a millennia and continue to be. You know they've had their own civil wars and the UK and the, the, the Crown specifically um, dealing with the whole aspect of Northern Ireland and you know Ireland at large and all that other stuff. I'm not super well versed on that, but I know enough to know there are groups of white people that have had some fucked up shit happen to them, just as fucked up shit has happened to black people. Just like, and, and just to do a slight deep dive into just uh, transatlantic slave trade, majority of that didn't occur through white conquest or, you know, raping and pillaging and bringing, you know, violence towards Africa, um, you know, Western Africa, uh, more specifically that's where that kind of facilitated, that's what kind of the launch point of grabbing these groups of people and you know putting them on the ship and whatnot. The majority of that was facilitated by the own internal African uh, warring tribes who had these people already in, in, in slavery and in bondage and, and sold these other tribes of people, sometimes their own people, um, to whites and other ethnicities and groups, you know. People don't want to talk about the nuance of that. It's just white people did bad things. They had slaves. They treated us like shit. They raped us. They did whatever to us. And then they finally gave us freedom and, you know, and we still aren't out of bondage, so to speak, and blah, 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 blah. We need to fight for more. I get it. That's like a low-level boil down of U.S descendants of slaves and you know someone like me my ancestry you can do that low level low iq boil down but at the end of the day we need to talk about there are many other groups that have been raped and pillaged and slaughtered over the last you know two thousand three thousand years of recorded history that that, that, that we have you can go back maybe five thousand ten thousand of course it's way worse but you want to kind of center on 500 to 2,000 years, there are other areas of the world that have been really destroyed via, you know, way harsher forms of slavery than, than, than we went through. Not to say we, we went through, we didn't go through anything bad, but we have to put things in perspective and we're educating people on slavery at large and, uh, and people who came through ancestral slavery. Um, and are speaking from a, a space of the victimization narrative when every commercial you see, 95% of them has someone that's black in it and or an LGBT scope to it or uh, many major heads of organizations are black. We did that president that was black in the U.S. Like we, we can go down the list. Not to say we're, you know, out of the woods or anything like that, of, you know, legitimate racism that occurs and financial 
socioeconomic uh, binds that hold us, like a lot of these social programs that don't benefit, that, that don't, um, that basically more so benefit uh, fatherlessness in the home. Um, because in many cases, a single black woman will get paid more through these social systems. Um, so that's a mother deep dive that, you know, a lot of people don't want to discuss. Um, and it's best the black trans women to talk about, because it's just, again, it's all about me, 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 I'm trans, I'm trans, let's talk about being trans. Right. No one wants to talk about those things. And then that, that part is, you know, super exciting. So just let me just kind of summarize the Black Lives Matter piece of this. So we've got the scope of just the financial scope of who's running this particular organization, you know, the, the, the large BLM Inc., right? You can do a deep dive into that and find out who's doing what, but just on the basis of where the money's going and how people got drifted into sending money and are not seeing their money go to anything benefit black people, you should have question marks. You should think. You should have questions and do your own research. I think bare minimum you should do that. But then we've got the whole just, you know, we've, I've heard people use this ad hominem uh, over and over again. Well, maybe the whole BLM organization isn't good, but like I support BLM because like Black Lives Matter. So like I'm gonna have my hashtag in my Twitter profile and I'm gonna have BLM merch and have my own local BLM sect. Uh, whether or not they get money from anywhere or not or whatever, they sell T-shirts or do whatever. Yeah, that's good and all, but like, what are you? What 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 progress are you bringing? towards black people versus you just sectioning yourselves off, uh, height, heightening the victimization narrative that she can't achieve this or that because of the quote unquote patriarch, patriarchy and quote unquote whiteness. And whiteness is expanded to things that aren't white, people that aren't white. What I'm discussing is probably white. My socioeconomic level at this stage, I'm single income. Um, single person, um, I, I may be qualified as just espousing whiteness. I go to work on time and I pay my bills and, you know, I, I don't participate in, um, any, you know, so-called nonsense. Um, I'm not explaining that very well, but the whole, I've heard the whole whiteness encapsulates this, or, or non-whiteness encapsulates people being late to work or not late to work. Uh, weird, weird shit that I've heard. That's mm. just so ridiculous and offensive, quite frankly. Um, so I'm, what I just said there was in, a bit of sarcasm. So keep that in mind. <laughs> um, it wasn't being serious at all. But just, just when, when people say things like that, it's just, it's just disgusting to me. Um, but, you know, when these people are just espousing, you know, BLM, there's BLM in Japan, BLM in Crimea. BLM in uh, Canada and the UK and mm-hmm. Ireland. There's BLM all over the world. It's just become just like a, a thing to say that I'm in part of the whole, I can take on this as allyship to show that I'm not racist. I'm very anti-racist, um, which is another thing. Uh, being anti-racist isn't enough. That, I, I just think that's so, uh, being proactively anti-racist. You just should just 
engage in discourse with people who don't who don't agree with you, and maybe they'll come out on the other side agreeing with you. Maybe they won't. Maybe they won't. Um, but just not not um, doing the whole proactive. Look at me. I have a BLM. It, it, it's it's twofold. So you've got the proactive. I've got the hashtag BLM in my profile, or I wear a T-shirt. And then, you know, politically, you have to align with the powers that be. You need to vote Democrat and, you know, uh, everywhere. You, know, you got to hate Trump. You got to hate, uh, can't even say his name because he's Voldemort. You have to call him 45. Um, you, have to, you have to engage in all the, the nuance of the, the placating to the, the power structure. You know, yet, you know, there, there's that aspect of the black BLM scope of it. And on the other side, let's talk about the trans stuff. You, you know, no disrespect to those who are, you know, I just stopped myself to say what I was going to say. Let me say what I was going to say and do a deep dive on it. I was going to say those who identify with being non-binary and are legitimately non-binary, which is a, I got, I have to break that up because what I just said, how how, how am I going to determine if you're legitimately non-binary or not? That's a whole different issue, but let's just say that the people who have, who know in their heart whether or not they actually believe in this ideology of non-binary, let's distinguish them from the people who are just putting he slash they or she slash they in their profile, like they're putting hashtag BLM in their profile, just to, and people who do both, double victimization, look at me, I'm a super out. It goes hand in hand. So when you get those that type of disingenuousness in the discourse, and then they have the, the higher ground morally, supposedly, because they are so tolerant of everything. Yeah, they are so intolerant of anything else outside the discourse, not willing to discuss anything, not willing to go into the deep dive of anything. Um, that's where we get that, that's where we get just a, a stopping point. Just these are the accepted ideas, and you must follow them. And thus, we've got a religiosity. We've got. I, I feel. I feel that there's a merging of the two now. Um, and you know, if you could take me and and pull up Bizarro World's cat, Bizarro World cat would be this person would be telling you, yes, BLM is awesome. Yes, I have, I have an oscillating um, gender expression, which, which depends on the moon, you know, depending on the moon rise and sun, sun falling and all that stuff. And my, my gender expression will change depending on the day and all that stuff. And I, I go by he, she, they pronouns and every other pronoun under the scope. And I'm fully for medicalizing children as young as two. And I have to go with everything the mainstream zeitgeist is telling me to go with and you must listen to me because i'm black and i'm trans and trans female specifically so super on the uh political politicization politicization of the victimization scale you must listen to me and i have a moral high ground because of my who i am and my demographics that i just gave you mm-hmm. my data point so i wanted that's my problem all of that 
Yeah. Well, thank you for all of that. Um, I wanted to just pick up on the, on this idea of the religious, the religious nature of it, because that's something, Aaron, you've talked about in in both our podcast a little bit, but in other other podcasts about some of those parallels and and the way that it's restructuring our our society in in ways parallel to religion. I mean, I remember thinking that the Bible was almost unreadable, right? Because I only knew that there was the King James version and, and it was, it was, it's a difficult read because it's not our common language. And, and when you have a text that says, this is somehow your key to liberation, but it's not really accessible to you as an individual. And so you need a priestly class. You need a, a priestly uh, class to interpret that. They have the, you know, the special knowledge and wisdom to interpret that for you so that you have access to that, to God or to freedom or, or you know, whatever it is you're seeking. And there is something similar. I mean, there's lots of parallels to be drawn, but there is something similar in, I, I'm not, I haven't really read critical race theory, so I'll, I'll stick to queer theory because that's what I know. Um, it, it's, it's a difficult read. I mean, reading Judith Butler, if you handed out Judith Butler books on the street, most people would look at it as like, this is a foreign language. I don't understand this. So we need this priestly class to interpret that for us, that this special knowledge that is somehow the key to your liberation. We need these priests who have this special knowledge to translate for us. Otherwise, we're just lost, right? And, 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 can, never, and can never achieve freedom. Um, so that's a, a parallel I'm seeing is that we have these people that are that are a I don't think it's a coincidence that that um, queer theory is written in this language that is so inaccessible to the average person right it's it's a, it's a language of the elite um, that only certain people can decipher or even have the time or the or the energy or the interest in deciphering it. Um, it's interesting what what Cat what you're saying yeah. there and what Cat was saying at the beginning how we need a reformation. It's like quite literally that was the case is that the, the Bible was only printed printed in Latin. So right, so Martin Luther came forward and was like, well, hey, we all speak German, so if we just publish this shit in German, people can decide for themselves what they believe. And it's kind of like so um, not to be all you know, lofty and Superman of us all. But like, I feel like that's kind of what we're doing is like, we're taking like the trans discourse and being like, look, this is not a mystery. This is not complicated. This is just, you know, here, here's what's going on. Here's what this is. Um, so yeah, it's quite, quite reformist in that, in that mm -hmm. regard. But it's been, it's been so dumbed down too. I mean, there, there's some value in, in queer theory. There were some, I thought there were some ideas in it that were valuable, but it's just so inaccessible. And, and so that we've tried to kind of dumb it down you know mm -hmm. by turning it into popular culture at the expense of really understanding it and, and i get a sense that's what you're saying about the, the black lives matter critical race theory too is that people don't necessarily understand it the nuances of it not everyone is an academic so it, it's been translated to us in these very simplistic terms in in popular culture and we just sort of trust that these, ex these experts and these academics, they know what they're talking about. So we're not gonna think too hard about it. We're not gonna do a deep dive into it and really understand the nuances. So, I mean, I do I think understand queer theory enough to engage in some critical debate about it. And, and it's an academic discipline. We're supposed to debate about it. We're, so, we're supposed to think about it. It's supposed to be an ongoing conversation. But when we try to do that, we're, we're by the people that don't really understand it. They just sort of understand the YouTube version of it. Uh, they're the ones calling me a bigot as if I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's where we're at. And that's, and it's incredibly frustrating. 
I'm sure for both of you and for many of us who get it, you know, I don't want to sound holier than thou and say, I get it, you know, and you two get it, and the other people don't get it, because that's kind of the other end of what we're saying. <laughs> that a lot of these uh, ideologues are saying is, oh, no, you don't get what we're saying. We get it. You don't get it. So we're, we're both doing the we're both doing the Spider-Man finger point at each other yeah. and we're not having a discourse. Mm-hmm. And that, that's really the problem. Discourse, discourse, discourse. No one wants to talk. Yeah. No one wants to talk through anything. It's a lot easier to do a five minute YouTube boil down of things and regurgitate mm-hmm. things. It's a lot easier to do a CNN talking head, um, you know, uh, a moderator and you know two people just talk over each other for 10 minutes and okay well that's all the information I need for the day mm-hmm. kind of thing and, and then that goes for everything you know you know all, all over the world for any topic that's where we're at mm-hmm. um because it's not that the know, average person is too dumb to get it. it it's that it's designed in such a way that it, it, you're not supposed to get it Mm-hmm. Right. So that people who say that they get it are able to p- have power and, and control everyone else. Exactly. It, it, it's almost like this. It, it's quite literally this, this forbidden. It's this forbidden text. It's, 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 it's just like, well, you know, this is, go back to my original point about, about a reformation uh, relating back to two of the, the three major Abrahamic religions, Christianity and, and Islam. You've got Christianity, which has had a reformation, and you know, the everyday Christian, you know, doesn't necessarily follow everything to the letter in the text, and the texts have been manipulated, and there are different versions of such, and you've got the Dead Sea Scrolls and all sorts of other stuff, and when it goes into you know Judaism, you've got the um, um, not Kabbalah. I forget. Torah book. No, 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 not the, the Torah, the main text, but there's a there's another text that's supposedly more sacred and has more. Uh, trying to think of it. I'll, I'll, I'll find it. I'll find it later. But it, there's another deeper text that you know just really isn't discussed in popular culture. But the um, the those who know know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, that are deeper into the religion, you know, uh, deeper into religion in general. Um, the, the, the study of the study of such, but you know, we've got Islam, um, and I'm you know I have many uh, friends that are that are Muslim, uh, close friends, dear friends, um, that follow Islam, not necessarily to the letter, but they have the idea that their book. Um, is uh, whatever the term is, it's, it's, it's impenetrable. There, there's no, we, we, we cannot reform this based on, because Muhammad's words are infallible and these were his words and um, the, the disciples, his, his, uh, his disciples, I forget um, the exact uh, name they went by, not Jesus' disciples, but Muhammad's followers uh, later on, you know, as they put the book together, most of them are of the opinion that you cannot alter this at all. Like this, this, this is it. So if you have a reformation, that's going to be in 
uh, it's going to be a a slight towards Allah. Pastoralization of the faith. Uh, yes, yes, yes. So that's kind of where we're at, I feel, with the trans discourse, especially. Even though, as silly as it is, things change all the time. Things just keep changing. Go, go back five years, go back 15 years, go back 55 years of what transgenderism is and what's acceptable and what's okay, what's not okay. And she told someone 55 years ago that, oh, okay, I've got my four or five-year-old who's not really adjusting very well to school and very quiet and they, you know, let's just say a, a boy, um, let's medicalize them and put them on puberty blockers and things of that nature to feminize them further and affirm their new gender identity at four, five, six years old. If you said that 50, 55 years ago in the United States of America or Canada, I'm pretty sure there'd be a major backlash. But we're at the point now where it's just, so, no one cares, how to feel, it's just accepted. It's, uh, well, doing anything. so is a demonstration of the faith. It's it's, it's a moral declaration, like an extreme. It's kind of kind of kind of uh, kind of Abraham and Isaac almost. You know, it's like you truly believe in God so much, or in the in the trans faith so much, you're, you're sacrificing your own child to it. I mean, sorry to use that 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 dark terminology, but I mean, it's, there's as, parallels as again. Horrible as this to say, yeah. it, and I, I don't want to get too deep into the occult. Quite other things that I have opinions on, but it it is no matter what you believe spiritually or whatever your your religious beliefs are, or even political. There's something to the idea of the mythical and the old the old world belief of sacrificing your firstborn, so to speak, to the gods, or you know all, all these different stories that have come up in different cultures all over the world with a similar ethos of I'm giving up my child to this entity, to this organization, to There's no greater know, demonstration than that, right? There's no greater devoutness. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Than 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 yeah. Sacrificing your child uh, to it is probably why oh. it's such a universal trope. And 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 and, and oh, it's gonna sound silly to some but on the head literally for, for, for others, what is um, what is a, uh, a christening or a, uh, a, a christening for girls or a, uh, or a circumcision for boys? Mm. What is that? That literally is whether or not you believe in the tenets of it medically that it should or shouldn't happen. That's on you. But just the act of here is my child, do this, mm-hmm. and now they're accepted into this religion wholeheartedly, and now our God will protect them, and so on and so forth. It's very much in the same faith of, I've got my three, four, five, six, seven, eight-year-old boy or girl here. Here, me- medical entities, big pharma, um, you know, a lot of people that are bought and paid for that are have financial interest in doing things to your child. Here, here is my child. You tell me the right way to go about this. 
because the alternative is if I don't do this, my child is going to kill themselves or be unhappy or I'm going to be, uh, me as a parent, I'm going to be a statistic because I let my child maybe die or be upset about things for X amount of time or I'm intolerant because I didn't let them go this route. I'm, I'm intolerant. I want to show my absolute tolerance, my absolute acceptance of everything. I will give my child up to these medical, social entities, regardless of its merits of being okay or not okay or acceptable or not acceptable. But step outside the scope of that because we can talk about that all day. But just the idea of that process is very similar to a circumcision and a christening the female genital mutilation that happens in in, in uh, Islamic cultures and, and other cultures also, and you can go deep into um, uh, uh, other genetic uh, uh, genital uh, alterations that are done um, in like African cultures and things like that. The penis is extended, or all sorts of things, and you, you can go deep down the rabbit hole of that, but just you can make your own uh, make your own assumptions or make your own uh, make your own conclusions uh, based off of what I said there. But it just very much is the same thing, the same action. Well, you can debate the merits of it on your own, but uh, just want to bring that out there. I'm not sure what my point was, but I just wanted to. Just again with those religious parallels. Yeah, yeah, okay, so that, that's where we're going. So yeah, so, so religious. So let, let's, let's, let's talk about this. So this is gonna be weird to say, but I, I almost feel that to be trans in this day and age in the Western world is to, it's another thing of the you know acceptable list, the things that acceptable things that you have to accept in order to be trans, and if you're not, you're not trans kind of thing, which aligns which aligns to if you're not you know doing X Y Z, you're not black or you're not Hispanic or you're not Far East Asian, Korean, Japanese, whatever, whatever subset you want to go into. But we're trans, so let's talk about being trans. The idea of having some type of spirituality or believing in God and or some type of God um, outside of you know being an atheist or somehow just being an outright occultist and you know or, or Satanist or anything like that I almost feel like that's like the prevailing ethos of transness right now it's like if you spoke to the everyday trans person they would either be atheist or lie about their atheism in, in public and they're occultists or Satanists or whatever they are, whatever you want to believe, whatever you want to believe, it's fine. But another aspect of why can't other voices be heard in the discourse? Why can't there be other ways to go about this thing? Why is there this uniform trans police that goes around and says, oh, that idea that you espouse is wrong and hateful and you need to turn around and collect a hundred dollars, go back around the monopoly. <laughs> you're, you, 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 you're, you're wrong. You're, you're out of pocket, so to speak. Um, uh, I, I don't want to dip into that, but I, I don't know either of your religious beliefs or if you have them or 
uh, whatever the case the may token be. atheist trans. There you go. <laughs> so, but my thing is just opening up to other other perspectives of the afterlife and spirituality, and you know, injecting a bit of God into your trans experience. Uh, I just feel like that's that's another thing that's kind of shitted on. Um, not that I'm like a devout Christian or devout Judaist or anything like that. Me, me personally, I just believe that there's energy and there's energy all around us. God is energy. There are dimensions that, you know, oscillate in between and hopefully when we die, we go in between them and there are lower entities of a lower frequency. There are higher entities of a higher frequency going between these spaces and it's not necessarily going to space, so to speak, more so realms that we enter or you know, we go in and out of in a dream state or in a DNT state or or just you know just specifically just in a, in a meditative state. Um, I almost feel like that's left out of pop trans culture because it's just more convenient to just go with the atheism route or the, you know, now it's becoming more public, more occultist route. Um, yeah, faith, faith of any kind. Yeah, I agree with you. Faith of any kind is seen as incompatible, you know, with transness or, or, or even, or queerness. Um, but, you know, it, it's such a contradiction because if transness or, or what I prefer to just call the experience of gender dysphoria, if that is somehow somehow innate and, and I don't necessarily think that it is but let, but let's say it was let's say there's something wired into our brains that that makes us dysphoric that should exist across the sp the political spectrum right mm -hmm. just just like having diabetes mm -hmm. would exist across mm -hmm. the political spectrum like what would that have to do with my culture or my belief system or which part political party I vote for if it's just a if it's just something that's that's innate to my being, like diabetes would be your... Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, but uh, I just think it's part of the policing of what is, again, the Overton window, what is acceptable within that, you know, you being trans, um, becoming trans. You have to have these, you know, these parroted, same set of beliefs generally across the board or else you will be you know excommunicated um, and, 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 and just uh, another thing that I just kind of grind my gears about just transness so to me transitioning you know what you can debate the merits of it what the right age is whether or not it's a legitimate idea to do so and you can debate uh, trans women entering women's spaces, trans men entering uh, men's spaces, and the whole non-binary sphere, and you can, you can debate all aspects of it. But to me, transgenderism or transness, I think the main tenet of it was, or, or I thought it was, bodily autonomy. You have control over your body. So whether or not you make the right decision, the wrong decision, whatever the case is, that's between you and your body. Um, whatever decisions you make going forward, right? And I just feel like the trans community is very much in a 
policing state in terms of whatever the mainstream media is telling them to do as far as either injecting something into their body or not injecting something into their body. And we don't have to do a deep dive on that. I just want to mention that uh, oxymoron or that uh, inconsistency, mm-hmm. so to speak, in where we're at in the discourse where the everyday trans person, generally speaking, is very deep into whatever the mainstream media consensus is, any, you know, we can, we can talk, of, talk about some of the, um, the doctors who have spoke out a little bit recently uh, against uh, early medicalization or just in general, just, you know, some of these outright butcher jobs of top surgeries and bottom surgeries youth and just people in general just going through things very early in you know detransitioners that are not allowed to speak um they're kind of othered as well and thankfully they're they're they're, speak, they're um a lot more of them are coming out and i'm very happy that, that they're doing so um because a lot of that should be out there out, out in the open um so i, I just I, I don't want to necessarily go too deep there, you can kind of guess what I'm alluding to, but um, I just want to make that important distinction of how there's so many things in the pop psychology transness that is just like, you say this, but why is this inconsistent? I just want consistency across the board. That's what I'm looking for, but sure, we're not getting that. (laughs) Well, it seems to, to, at the heart of it, seems to define freedom and you know liberty of the person is having no boundaries you know that that there should be no limit to which spaces that i should be entitled to enter there should be no limit on what i can do to my own body there should be no limit in terms of how i conceptualize my own gender so so it it seems to be building into this this concept that i'm not going to be free as a as a person unless i can do whatever i want you know, and, and other, and somehow the world should just respond to that and give me what I want with, without any barriers. So, and we see this in the whole debate about mm-hmm. hormone readiness assessment and, the, and gatekeeping, right? That there should be absolutely no barrier between me and the thing that I want, because that, that is a, a, an infringement on my freedom and liberty. But we're not understanding that, that there's healthiness in boundaries, that, you know, especially personal boundaries that we, that, that healthy relationship depends on there being healthy personal boundaries and that there is freedom in that and in our collective responsibilities to one another in relationship, right? And, and that somehow is getting lost. And, and we understood that when we talked about freedom as being about character, that if I'm a good person and, you know, if I work hard and I've got, the, you know, val- values and I, and I contribute to society, that there's a freedom in that because I have responsibility to others, not just what I can take from others. And, and I feel like that's, what's been eroded is, is understanding this relationship uh, the healthy relationships with ourselves and others involves boundaries. And, and I feel like the queer culture for a long time has been all about eroding personal boundaries because to have any personal boundaries is to it, or to develop, you know, to say, well, I agree with that behavior, but I don't really agree with that behavior, or you know, so th- that we want to erode all those boundaries where um, to the point where to have any kind of boundary is seen as oppressive. And just to go back to uh, what I was saying, that 
seems like everything is a, is a binary choice now. Um, in this space, it's either full-on boundaries or no boundaries. And society needs boundaries. It's the only thing that keeps society afloat, you know, especially Western society. Like, without our boundaries and, you know, certain degree of laws and um, just, um, you know, just common law, not, not even necessarily things that are in, uh, in stone, um, so to speak, or in writing, in legislation, common law, just common, just things that we all know and hold to be true, self-evident, just, just respect for one another, respect for physical boundaries, you know, uh, just helping one another, um, just things that should be a ma major tenet of society as a whole. I, I, you're, you're kind of saying what, I, what I've been thinking for a long time. It's like, I never wanted to go to, like as a, as a, as a cis person, I, I never wanted to go to a, uh, a, a gay parade or anything like that. Like, I, I, I never wanted to do that. Uh, pride I never wanted to. Because it's just like majority of them were just dildo swinging and harnesses and chaps and stuff like that. It's like, okay, clear to me that the idea here is full liberation of all boundaries, all sense, because anything else that was restrictive was just too much for you. And we must, this must be an expose of, hey, look, we can do this out in the open now all of our sexual proclivities could be out and this is it this is where we're at and i never felt comfortable with that i never identified with that i never identified with that um at all um me personally and just that idea of i think we're heading down a dangerous road of just everything is open for everyone for everything at any time as we open the doors to um, different gender choices and um, people who change their gender on different time scales or different days and what defines gender and people who aren't medicalizing themselves but will change their gender expression or, or, or change their um, change their gender documentation but yet change nothing about themselves. Um, no, physically, so to speak, and that's, that's another debate. But I, I just feel like the rules of society, Western society, are starting to break down. And uh, like I mentioned the first time that we all kind of discussed here, we're talking. Um, I almost feel that we are going to be the scapegoats for what comes next. It's mm -hmm. every, you know, and. Uh, I guess, I guess we're like the normie trans people. We're just kind of silly. I don't want to divest myself from the trans community completely or, or just say I'm better than or elevate myself as such, but we're almost like the normies. We're just, we want to assimilate, assimilate as much as possible, um, generally speaking. Um, we have different ideas on what to do medically or surgically or whatever about our lives. And we have different ideas of, you know, we want to be with um, romantically, uh, partnership-wise, and things like that. But just generally speaking, most of our, you know, I would say most of us on our side of like the GTA kind of things, or the or the GC gender critical folks all around the world, kind of, we just 
want to be left alone. We just kind of want to seep into society and just kind of be normal people. Generally speaking, we don't want to raise a lot of noise. We don't want to talk a lot. We just want to kind of keep our dysphoria down as much as possible and try to get through the rest of our lives as relatively normal people, knowing that we're not quote unquote normal. There's obviously something different about us. Um, we can only pass but so much if, if, you know, no matter what we do surgically or uh, plastic surgery wise or whatever we do, there's, there's nothing that's going to change our chromosome, uh, chromosomal makeup. At the end of the day, that's it. We got what we got when we came out of a womb or cesarean section, whatever happened. We came out of the lab. However, you came out of, we, we <laughs> got what we are, right? Um, I, I say that jokingly, but we're like, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, we're pretty much already doing this. the lab stuff, which is interesting. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, I don't know. I think what you're saying is there's almost like an, 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 um, a virtue in nihilism that's taken over uh, societally, where it's it's kind of like anarchy and nihilism is is the is the virtuous position to take. It seems with how a lot of people approach, you know, their behavior and the behaviors of others. Um, yeah, very no holds barred and and nothing means anything. And um, uh, you know, as somebody who kind of identified as an atheist and uh, what I would call a happy nihilist. Uh, for a mm-hmm. long time, it's like I really see that there is a lot of societal good in having, um, you know, boundaries and religions uh, that kind of keep people tied to each other and uh, in a in a symbiotic give and take of responsibilities and and like, um, and so, so when when we break those down, now I'm starting to realize, you know, there's there is a lot of value in the in the traditional um, religions and uh, just for what they provide us societally and in the absence of those we create them uh, but we seem to do a really piss poor job uh at at, at at putting things in those places um and and yeah now we've got this uh yeah the, the, the kind of you know, critical race theory stuff the the queer theory um things that that kind of attempt to give us this this other meaning beyond ourselves and this group association but it's just it's really bleak and um yeah nihilistic and narcissistic and uh, yeah, has a lot of the, the trappings of the uh, of the ancient religions, but none of the positives of, of forgiveness and mm-hmm. and responsibility and empathy and and yeah, um, uh, redemption. You know, a lot of these these new kind of religions seek to seek to seek to punish people uh, in you know, in, in the real life, you know, doxing or, or cancellation, whatever. It's like these, you know, no longer is that the, the realm of God to to. to punish you know the you know your your misgivings uh your missteps it's 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 in the it's in the twitter mob is is now you know they get to demonstrate their their religious purity and piety by uh by busting out the pitchforks and and making sure to to silence cancel whatever um yeah so so human beings we keep we keep doing this this stuff i just think we've got it really really wrong uh right now yeah so like i'm i'm not i'm not like a devout Bible reader or believe everything to the tenant or anything like that. Or I, 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 I take these religious texts as kind of a template of, you know, they're, they're, they're allegories and there's metaphors in there and, you know, things that I think people should kind of read or review, you know, from time to time. Um, but, you know, I'm not a religious zealot in the way that a lot of people say right now, this time is the beginning of revelation, so to speak, um, <laughs> which is, I mean, I don't have a lot to 
combat or to disagree with. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're just, the signs I, are kind of there. <laughs> there's too many things that are going on that are just like, how can Western society keep up with? And then, you know, we're just talking about this, the gender aspect of things, but, you know, economic, sociopolitical, we, we can go deeper into the wormhole of that. That's just a different podcast. Maybe I should start one. We're, we're just dealing with a lot of people who just want all hell to break loose mm-hmm. on, on the trans, you know, people who are trans, people who aren't trans, who revel in the confusion because it benefits their pocketbook, um, you know, you know, and want more, uh, more children that are medicalized, want more money in their pocket, and the more rainbow t-shirts you can sell in, in, in Target that are kids size and baby size and <laughs> the more little kids books that you can wear that you, kids books that you can buy. Of, oh, my tolerant baby, my anti-racist baby, these, these little books that come out, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's just all, everything's a grift. Everything's a grift. We'll, ha- we'll have to have, <laughs> yeah, we'll have to have you back, Kat. I, I, I feel like, um, you know, you're, you might be a, a regular feature, you know, cause I, I do feel like we could, we could talk for hours. Um, so we'll have you. We'll have you back. Awesome. But I, I really, Definitely I really appreciate. Yeah, I really appreciate that you that you came on. And we could get to know you a little bit better and uh, and just hear your perspective and the depth of your knowledge about these things. So, thanks so much for agreeing, agreeing to come and talk chat with us. Thank you. I just want to say at the very tail end of this, anyone who has listened to everything that I've said, um, I, I I just want to preface everything that I've said with, I just want peace in the world. I want discourse. I want some type of societal order. I feel that trans people should not be the majority of people because transitioning should be a, uh, it, 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 it just shouldn't be a natural order of things. It should be accepted and allowed to proceed in life and not be uh, hanged <laughs> or, or killed for being trans or deciding to, 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 to do such, but there should be parameters around such, and we ourselves are not exalted people. We are fallible people. The LGBT community, we're all fallible people. I just want people to talk about each other, have discussions, make jokes, like Dave Chappelle, watch the Dave Chappelle <laughs> special, it was great. I just want everyone to just have some fun again and just get their heads out their ass. Out of <laughs> That's that. That's really what I want in life in this world, but I may not get it before I go. But I. Don't know. But it's that's good aspiration. Just, just, <laughs> anyone's, trying to like, anyone's trying to like dox me and end my life or stab me or whatever and think that I'm like anti BLM or anti whoever. Just want to say I love you all. Everyone means well. I'm sure. I just want everyone to step outside of their mindset and their organizations and their tribes and think about who's controlling what and where the money's going and just try to have individual thought. Individual thought is my primary ethos. That, that, that was my theme for the world. And this podcast is individual thought and less ego-driven, tribalistic thought. Great message for that's, the day. That's where I'm at. Yep. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks so much, Kat.
Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Transparency Podcast. If you enjoy our content, please help out our algorithm by hitting like or subscribe. If you'd like to make a donation, follow the link to our PayPal account. On behalf of the Gender Dysphoria Alliance, thanks for your support.